0: Awesome. Welcome everybody to our first ever Talk and Pit episode, season one, episode one. Um, and why not start out with our very own people in house uh, today? We have on Felix Prossel, our director of sports science here at Pitt, and also Aaron Duval, our associate head strength conditioning coach. Um, so we're truly to have them excited to have them on. Um, we're going to discuss three things, three big topics. First one being how to navigate a successful collaboration between athletics and academics. Uh, Second one being our sports science master's program here at Pitt and the class that Aaron and Felix teach together. Uh, And then the last one, just talking about the future of um, sports science in the next five to 10 years. So without further ado, I want to introduce Felix and Aaron. Um, Felix, can you start us off with just discussing uh, just a brief uh, background about yourself and how you got to Pitt? And then we'll have... Aaron, go afterwards. And first and foremost, it is Dr. Felix Prossel. So I want to make sure I get that right as well.
1: Yeah, of course. Very important to you. Uh, No, thanks for having us, Steph. Um, I'm Felix. I'm the director of sports science at the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, My background I'm originally from Germany, born and raised there, and after high school came to the US playing collegiate soccer um, at a small little school in Hastings, Nebraska. Uh, after spending four years there, I got really invested into how to optimize athletic performance. So I continued with a master's degree at Colorado State, dived very heavy into research world, um, but simultaneously continued working with the women's soccer team there, and then came ultimately to Pitt. Um, at Pitt, I spent about the last four years working on my PhD. Um, And simultaneously worked with the men's soccer team with Che and his squad. Um, Graduated in the summer, finally, after um, what felt like an eternity and then was brought on full time. So I continue to work with soccer, but I'm also now a resource for all other teams um, and and excited to jump in um, and helping, you know, the various teams and, and achieving success here at Pitt.
0: Yeah, we're extremely excited to have you, Felix. Uh, Felix joined us this summer, um, full time as a director of sports science, and then Aaron came with me um, soon after I left Mississippi State to Pitt a little over a year ago. So, Aaron, please chime in and, and tell us about your background and how you got to Pitt.
2: Yeah, so like Steph just said, um, spent a few years at Mississippi State prior to coming to Pitt just over a year ago. Um, prior to that, I was actually an intern under Steph back at Clemson, so we've been at a few stops together. So. Um, I've been been really fortunate to have a lot of good mentors and good people around me, like Steph, uh, kind of navigating and helping me throughout my career. Um, I was originally uh, in college, collegiate weightlifter, realized I wanted a job in a weight room, whatever that meant, and uh, learned about this field. And uh, dove into an internship at Cal State Fullerton several years ago and um, woke up every day, realizing that, you know, I was excited to get to work and that was definitely what I needed to be doing in life. So, um, that took me to a couple other internships, like I said, to Clemson, uh, then Texas, where I was fortunate enough to work with, uh, Travis Vlantis on the sports science side and Donnie Mabe on the strength conditioning side and, uh, get a, a lot of, uh, good experience under them and their staffs and, uh, me, kind of add tools to my toolbox and a little bit more of a a diversified role, I guess, and having skill sets and uh, both, you know, the applied sports science side, as well as the strength conditioning side. And uh, that's why I definitely think Felix and I now working at Pitt together, are a pretty good team. So uh, now we're here and we're we're navigating that and have a, a few cool, few cool opportunities that we're working on with right now. So.
0: Yes. So let's dive on into some of these unique opportunities. And one thing that I know personally I thought was very unique before taking the role at Pitt is our sports science master's program that we have here at the University of Pittsburgh. And this is a collaboration. The students do help out in the athletic department. So uh, one thing we want to dive into is um, Aaron and Dr. Felix Prossel are now teaching an applied sports science class uh, here at Pitt. So we want to talk about the, um, Felix, if you want to go first, just talking about some of that coursework, a brief overview. And then Aaron, if you want to come in on the back end and just tell us about the class, who can take it and what are some of uh, those some of those uh, main objectives?
1: Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I, I think it's uh, really exciting to have the collaboration. And I think it's really unique, um, especially... Um, in the world of sports science that such a collaboration exists for for the applied sports science class. The coursework really first focuses on what we pretty much call the foundation of a sports scientist. So that's a proper understanding of periodization, which obviously is you know crucial for any sort of good thinking within the world of sports science. Um, but then also just understanding what the role of a sports scientist even is, since that's still somewhat vague in this Kind of evolving field, um, and then lastly, you know, talking a little bit about the scientific method, uh, how to read literature, how to study uh, research and scientific papers, not to read them from the first to last word and read them like a novel, but how to understand methodology, um, and ultimately learn how to ask good and relevant questions. so that's kind of the the fundament for everything else. After that, we'll dive more into. Different pieces of technology, so touch on the data collection side of things. Obviously, there's a lot of fancy and shiny tools floating around the world of sports science. Uh, We're covering force plates, wearables, so uh, you know the the things that are being used on a day to day basis. Anything to assess strength, whether that's isometric or eccentric strength, um, you know, or even um, more colloquially. Um, how we assess things like 1RM or 3RM, what the benefits are for such assessments compared to isometric strength tests, etc. We talk a little bit about force velocity profiling. And then one thing that we're doing this week, actually, that's something I'm excited about is the central nervous system. That's kind of my neck of the woods where I spent a lot of my time and during my PhD, Um, you know, there's a lot of cognitive decision-making involved in in most sports and so uh, we try to encompass that in in that whole data collection umbrella and then kind of towards the end of the semester um, the phase that we're heading towards now is more on the data side so you know being a sports scientist you got to have a good fundamental um, knowledge of periodization and things like that you got to understand how to collect data and how to ask your questions but then ultimately no matter what question you have or no matter what piece of technology you use, you end up with a spreadsheet of variables and numbers and you need to somehow visualize those uh, and turn information into insights. So we talk a lot about data hygiene, how to standardize uh, data collection procedures, how to visualize data, how to analyze and process uh, data. When the, for instance, use a median rather than a mean, um, when it makes sense to exclude an outlier or not. Um, and then uh, touch a little bit about statistics. You know, We're not uh, providing a full statistics course, but essentially just providing some insight on uh, how to best um, check and balance whether your analysis is actually meaningful um, or essentially if you're just floating around in a bunch of uh, measurement errors. So those are kind of the three buckets It's the fundament to succeed as a sports scientist, then current state-of-the-art pieces of technology and how to collect data effectively. And then what do you do with this data and how do you communicate that? Um, You know, that's a big piece that's often neglected, but that's how we wrap it all up uh, through the communication of those reports.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that's extremely helpful and gives great insight. I think, Aaron, if you want to add on to that, Uh, on the back end here about just some of the students like that are in, um, the course and then who can take the course, um, continue to go on to the main objectives and then just how we really embed these students in the athletic department would be great.
2: For sure. So uh, just to add on to yeah, what Felix said there, um, I think one of the (laughs) lucky things, uh, that, or I guess lucky for me and for Felix, uh, that we're able to do with each other, work with each other, um, and, you know, provide, you know, he just listed a lot of the different topics and things that we go over and what we can give to the students, you know, it's a, it's a really, I, I believe well-bridged gap between like the theoretical and the applied side, of you know, what, what is sports science, um, how do we get actionable outcomes out of certain monitoring or assessment methods? Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of ambiguity, I think, in, uh, the roles, of some sports scientists somewhere just because the role can change so drastically. So being as well-rounded as possible is really, really important. And that's when, uh, or that's where I think Felix and I can really, uh, kind of, wear two different hats that that kind of look the same but you know i those students would be screwed if they heard me try to teach something like statistics um but they can definitely rely on felix from that standpoint but when it comes to you know strength testing um or you know the uh behind the scenes like the outcomes of like certain reporting or ways of thinking about um how data is visualized where where i can chime in as well uh, it's definitely a good back and forth and something that uh, I think we're glad that that we're able to do, um, you know, as far as the, the students themselves. So it's it's a, a challenge, but it's also fun because we have students come in from a pretty diversified background. Uh, it's not so much like just in the field of strength conditioning where you have like, hey, here's an X phys student that graduated and has an internship or two under their belt and wants to be a graduate assistant in strength conditioning. Um, the The path and the background and the experience, there's a lot of variability there with the cohort that we have uh, this year and the past couple of years. So um, it makes it challenging to try to, you know, get everybody, I think, on the same page in a collective way of thinking. But I think it's also uh, neat to see and hear, um, you know, different Ways of thinking or approaching certain things based on those different backgrounds as well. Um, So, yeah, I I think that we're we're lucky to have the students that we have. Um, uh, Another, I guess, valued part of the not this course but the program as a whole is that the students that are in this course or in the the master's program in general, um, they are embedded separately into some different practicum site. So. Uh, We have, for instance, I'd say about 40% of the students that are uh, in the program um, pinpointed around like Pitt's campus, um, whether that's football, basketball, or Olympic sports uh, that actually get to get like their hands on a lot of the testing equipment that we use, um, the different monitoring practices and, you know, be in those performance meetings and things like that. So, Um, you know, we talk about like collaboration between athletics and academics. I think that from a student standpoint, what we're able to give these students, uh, and the academic side from a collaborative standpoint is really, really good. I mean, they're, again, they're in the, the meetings, they're, um, at the different practices or weight sessions, field sessions, whatever that may be. Um, but on our side, you know, we, we get them. We get that help. Um, we have, you know, an extra set of hands that helps us clip sessions on catapult or uh, run force plates and another person that can build a relationship with our teams um, and becomes a normal face of like, oh, yeah, Aaron's my strength coach. But then so and so like that's my, my sports science guy. Uh, and I know I can go to him or her for these different Uh, avenues. So um, I think it it ends up being a a good end product of how we can kind of pair both ends together. So uh, I think, yeah, Felix and I are just trying to make sure from a curriculum standpoint that we're we're giving them the tools that they need to be successful in that space.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I know. It's great to hear that your guys' skill sets really complement each other nicely in your backgrounds. And I think that leeways really well into the next question I have for you guys about talk to me and describe a successful collaboration between uh, college athletics and academics. And I think you guys both have unique insight into this. Felix's background, um, he was at the Neuromuscular Research Lab here at Pitt. So he was working on the academic side and then helping out with men's soccer. And then even Aaron, prior to, prior to arriving here at Pitt, um, working with the engineering department, even at Mississippi State and creating the athlete engineering, like whether certificate and things like that. So talk to me a little bit about Aaron, if you wanna go first. Um, about how you really marry the two and create a, a positive relationship without possibly um, certain things getting in the way?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm glad you brought up um, athlete engineering from uh, Mississippi State as well, because I don't think that the, the comfort level or the ability to navigate that type of partnership would be where it is here at Pitt without having that prior experience with Um, Dr. Ruben Birch and uh, the athlete engineering department uh, over at Mississippi State. But I think at its roots, like what successful collaboration looks like, uh, it sounds cliche, but to put it simply, it's making a situation or building a situation that is a win-win scenario for both parties, Um, which sounds again, really simplistic and cliche in nature, but that's all we're really trying to do. Um, You know, I think with Like, I guess uh, an example of that win-win scenario here is kind of like what I just said um, about like the experience that these students can get uh, from an academic standpoint of not just being in a classroom, um, being taught, you know, the X's and O's, but having an opportunity to get in the field, um, have conversations, have mentorship going through uh, more real and live scenarios that involve those X's and O's while simultaneously we're able to have additional personnel that, you know, carry a level of competency that, you know, we like to see or that we can help build because of their interest in that field. Um, So, you know, there's like marrying the academic and athletic side is, is about trying to create or foster a scenario or a culture where both parties can benefit. Um, You know, for us here at Pitt, it's, it's very, Uh, just that like i just said of giving some like students experience um while them giving us additional help additional hands with certain things um on the other end it may be a little bit more research oriented Uh, i know at uh, mississippi state uh, we had uh, a few different papers that we worked on that uh were around you know the utility of maybe certain technology or monitoring tools that we were able to, uh, accrue and utilize with some of the athletes. And then, um, you know, that benefits us as, as coaches, as us as practitioners, while also giving them certain data and resources to be able to publish things, um, validate technology, kind of build the brand of whatever we're doing. So, you know whether it is on the more research or applied side. Again, at at the end of the day, I think it's all about creating a scenario that is going to foster that win-win environment for both parties.
0: Awesome, thank you, Aaron. Felix, anything to add on on your thoughts of this?
1: Yeah, I think Aaron did a really good job um, describing overall what, what creates a good and successful collaboration. Um, you know, my background is that I. For the last four years uh, i i've been doing both um in essence you know being a phd student um, but then volunteering for for the men's soccer team so one i think it's great that we do have this opportunity for master's students to do pretty much everything that i always wanted to do in my degree and it's actually embedded in this program um, so whereas i essentially just volunteered this is truly part of their program, which is which is very unique for the US and it's it's really cool. Um, you know, coming from Germany, the the culture in academia is more so embedded within sports, I would say in Germany or Europe and, and especially the UK, than it is in the US as of right now. Um, for instance, a lot of PhD positions are directly funded. Um, through European soccer clubs, let's say, um, in in the US, a lot of schools, uh, the PhD positions are still strictly funded from research grants, which of course then dedicates you know, the the responsibilities and and of that given student. Um, so I think the first common denominator for successful collaboration between the two entities is that that there is a common interest, um, and and that's. Easy for us to pit here, and that's to enhance human performance or the athletic performance of our athlete. We're lucky to have a, a graduate program that specifically focuses on sports science, um, because it is often very common for exercise science departments to really just be interested in exercise as an intervention for clinical disorders, etc. Which is helpful, but it's not. It wouldn't provide the same platform for collaboration with an athletics department like ours. Um because we're we're really interested in the athletic population, not just exercise as an intervention per se. Um, we want to make already really good athletes a notch better. Um, and so that really provides the basis for us to to collaborate with uh with the, the School of Health and Rehabilitation Science. Um, you know, a, a second step then is, is essentially what, what Aaron had alluded to is recognizing each other's strengths um, and, then, and then capitalizing on those. And throughout my last four years, there, there's been many questions that are essentially the same as we ask now here in the athletics department. For instance, we ran a study where we looked at the effects of sleep deprivation and caloric restriction, heavy physical exercise on military soldiers' uh, decision-making physical performance, and essentially central nervous system responsiveness. That same question can be applied to athletes here. It's really no, no different than what a coach is wondering every single day. How, what's the state of my athletes and how much can I push them, quote unquote? So um, the only difference really is that oftentimes, you know, we collect more specific data in laboratory settings that might lack some generalizability Um, in the, in the applied settings here, we're probably collecting a higher quantity of data, um, but it doesn't have that same granularity as this $200,000 brain stimulation device. Um, So ultimately they both ask the same type of question um, just at different scales and, and levels of detail. Um, And, and, you know, the real power comes from marrying the two. So it's just, recognizing that hey you know there's something to be gained um if if we add this type of information to that type of information and then um taking the ego out of the equation and being willing to just take time and getting to know each other
0: yeah no i think uh it's been mutually beneficial uh every university i've been at finding a way to really go over and access those resources, whether it is when I came on my interview here, I got to go by the neuromuscular Research Lab and that's where I stumbled upon Felix from the beginning. And I think it's been great. Uh, From a grassroots standpoint, Felix was already here for multiple years. Whenever we were going to hire the director of sports science position, it was almost a no-brainer. And even rolling into our our sports science fellow position partner with Catapult now, Heather uh, Bettencourt, that was a a sports science master's student, being here for a year in the program, learning the system, seeing how she works. It was a a true great fit um, rolling into that. So I think it's been a really fantastic uh, time so far for me being uh, in my role here at Pitt, but then also just being able to keep great people in the city of Pittsburgh within our system. So um, thanks guys so much for sharing about that. And I think that rolls into our next question here. So Felix, if you want to start us off, the director of sports science, talk to us about um, just your time. So let's start with the last five years of sports science, what you've seen so far throughout your venture, then we'll come into the current state of sports science. Um, and then let's talk about the future. So kind of take me through that evolution and what your thoughts are around that. And then we'll flip it to Aaron.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I would say a lot of, you know, sports science has been already done many decades ago without being coined sports science, you know, coaches, whether that's strength coaches, whether that's sports coaches, everybody does this on a day-to-day basis. So, um, you know, I think really what happened over the last four years more so is that we have created an avenue for technology to come into the world of sports and allow to assign an objective number to specific outcomes whether that's how much athletes run on the field um, whether that's uh, you know how high an athlete can jump we've already been interested in those same types of questions now we just have more tools available to assess them and a little bit more granularity you know a lot of this was obviously due to an advancement in technology, but then there's also just a sheer fact that wearables are allowed to be worn in competition and, and everybody's obviously always trying to get a nudge uh, and a competitive advantage, which makes it fun. Um, so over the last five years specifically, I would say that just a sheer number of uh, various assessments has been increasing, uh, whether that's you know wearables to assess sleep Um, that were probably not as common in the past um, or, you know, the increased use of, uh, you know, athlete management systems across um, the U S in general. Um, I would say that nowadays there's, you know, kind of this, this somewhat awkward phase where people are probably starting to get saturated with more and more and more technology um, and realizing, Hey, in order for this to be truly effective, we need to, you know, support this with human manpower and 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 find ways to combine this information and actually, you know, value that interpersonal uh, communication because, you know, you can put as many reports together as you want. Ultimately, it boils down to the communication to the relevant stakeholders, whether that's the nutritionist, whether that's um, sports med, SNC, or or the sports coaches themselves. Um. You know, without that final piece, there oftentimes, you know, the whole analysis um, is, is unfortunately somewhat uh, useless. Uh, also, I think what we have becoming more appreciative of is that one, which is kind of ironic because it's very similar to like the performance units, the, the true value really comes by combining various data streams Um, So seeing a trend in wellness questionnaires, for instance, that correlates with a trend in physical performance on the field or body composition. Um, So combining those various data streams and not looking at them in isolation is very fruitful. And then I think where the future is heading towards is synchronizing those data streams lifetime. So coaches, for instance, are very interested in like video analysis and 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 that kind of work and event data. So when does you know a turnover occur occur or a change in momentum? Things that are really hard to quantify, but are like very clear to any expert um, when you ask them about how the game went. Overlaying that information with sort of the the lifetime catapult data or uh, you know other markers of, of game performance that are helpful to then really delineate what happens on a a minute by minute basis during the game. Um, So I think there's an increased reliance on, you know, the the 10 Hertz data that you extract from wearables rather than just summary statistics. So, you know, people are starting to profile athletes now, um, force velocity profile athletes now, just based on what they do in training rather than pulling them out um, on a separate occasion or even during games. Um, you know, you, you see coaches asking about when do we do our high-speed distance actions? Are they in transition moments, counter-attack, you know, are they more so in offense? You know, we, we try to put context around all of these metrics that we're collecting. And I, and I think that's really where the future will go towards. It's just synchronizing all of those efforts at a very high sampling rate.
0: Awesome. Yeah, and Felix's background, really working with soccer and then playing soccer, I definitely see his high ability not only to speak the language, but to find different ways to really marry some of these performance metrics with actually what's happening within the pitch. So it's it's really exciting and I feel like it's just showing the benefit of, of adding this department most recently. But Aaron would love to get your feedback upon just your history. Just being a practitioner of more strength and conditioning uh, back in the day, we kind of had to serve as a, a sports scientist and of itself kind of when Felix was saying we didn't realize it was sports science uh, but talk to us about just when you got in the field, where it's at now and then where you see it going in the future.
2: For sure um, I, I mean I definitely want to preface my answer with you know saying i'm I'm completely uh, bias based off of, you know, what my personal experience has been. Um, and that may make me a little naive. Um, but I also, I, I like to think that the, again, the experience and the mentors that I've had have have been really good and I know helped me a lot. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's hard for me to say like, you know, where was the field? Where is it now? Uh, in a more global context, um, I, I think I can give like some generalities of like, you know, what, what I think it is overall, but again, that's going to be a little bit biased based on, you know, the people that I've been around the tools that I've been around and, you know, what we've been trying to do. Um, I definitely want to echo Felix in in his point of saying, you know, the practice of sports science has been around for decades and decades um i i definitely consider mike stone the godfather of sports science and that's probably because i'm biased because my master's from etsu um but you know a lot of the things that that uh he did and you know people uh under him have kind of got out gone out and sought to identify uh measure make action out of um you know that's it's been done and it's Uh, it's not necessarily a brand new thing, but like Felix said too, I think that the technology and a lot of the, the tools that we're able to do quote unquote sport science um, is what's really kind of taken the, the advantages and more leaps and bounds as far as like user friendliness, visualization of data um, collection and um, ease of distribution of data. So, that's when I think like, when I, I guess what I would classify as more of like the modernized sports science, it's taking a lot of those old practices. Um, but with the, you know, having people like, uh, a strength coach, um, that, you know, doesn't have quite the competency of, you know, some PhD students like Felix, um, that, you know, can, Put together some things and again, get, get outcomes from that, that may seem to be a little bit more out of the scope of like, Hey, I just train athletes, um, you know, as far as their responsibilities go. Um, so I think another part of that too, and like Felix said, is, you know, we've, we've come to a point in, uh, the, the collection of data, the <laughs> collection of different technologies and tools where we we've had a, and we're in a pretty saturated market with what all we're, we're strapping to athletes, um, you know, using to track and monitor them, assess them in whatever different capacity. So we need some sort of personnel now to, that has the time competence and interest to be able to take all those things head on. And I think that that's where like again, naively maybe, but I think that that's where like this modernized role of a sports scientist has really evolved to, um, you know, as far as what, uh, what I see, like it being in the future or what's to come, it's really hard to say. Um, because I think that, you know, over just the last few years, uh, it's, is when we've gravitated into the more, uh, predominant use of uh, you know, getting actionable outcomes out of these certain technologies. Um, and, you know, I think the next step before we really know, like what is going to take, or what's going to be like the future of sports science is figuring out like what best sports science practice is. And I think the hard part about that is that there may not be such thing, or it's going to be completely dependent and different based on what institution or what people you're working with. Um, So it's it's I don't know, it's it's hard for me in in my my scope of practice, but also just kind of lack of experience too to maybe project like here's where I see this going. But I think that with the state that we're in now and, uh, you know, the things that we see working, it's going to take people with that time, competence and interest like Felix to, um, you know, nail down those those different practices of what we identify as quote unquote sports science practices and doing a really good job with that. Um I like to use the the analogy of like a a Honda Civic versus a like a top fuel dragster. And if you think about athletics today, um you know you, you can have these these two different vehicles in athletics. Um if I take a, a Honda Civic and I invest twenty to thirty thousand dollars into this Civic I'm going to get a completely different vehicle um, once that investment is gone and through. Um, When you take like a top fuel dragster and invest that and allocate that same amount of money uh, and resources to something like that, you may only be gaining a couple extra horsepower on that top fuel dragster. But the reality is, and the way athletics is evolving is a lot of times now that couple extra horsepower is what's going to make or break or make the difference between a win and a loss. uh, in a lot of scenarios, I think, especially, um, we're, we're lucky, but it's also unfortunate that, uh, you know, our competition in the ACC is really, really high. Um, so making sure that we have everything in place to do as best of a job as we can as possible with all of our athletes is going to be really, really important. Um, You know, one of my one of my team assignments is lacrosse here, and I don't want to. I wouldn't be, I guess, doing my job to its best capacity if I'm just training the whole team generally as you are a lacrosse player. Or if I just have this like abstract mosaic of what I think the team looks like and where they are, I want to paint as clear of a picture as possible of. The team as a whole, the different position groups, the different individuals, and try to make training interventions based off of that. And I think that, again, when we think of like modern sports science practices with testing and assessment and monitoring, that's what helps me as a strength coach be able to do a better job in that regard, too. Um, So, again, I think the future of it's just going to be figuring out who does a really good job with that, what those uh, impossible best practices might be, and can just continue to evolve from there.
0: Yeah, no, I think you bring up a great point, especially with lacrosse, because here at Pitt, we just added lacrosse, they had their first competitive season this past year. So when you're building a roster from scratch, and then you train for a year, and then you go into competition, that definitely looks interesting. And I think adding the COVID year, uh, the age discrepan- discrepancy on some of our rosters, you can have a 25 year old athlete, and an 18 year old athlete. So if you're doing the same um, training methodology with the 25-year-old the and 18-year-old, or you've been doing the same thing the whole entire time. Um, it really makes you uh, really look back and, and really think about like, what can I do better as a strength coach? Or it really makes you elevate yourself if I'm dealing with a, an older threshold of athletes. So how am I going to adapt uh, and really figure out what the best training methods are for that for that person? So I think great points for for both you guys and really appreciate it. So. Going into the next point, um, so Felix being the director of sports science here, he oversees a lot of different areas. Um, So every day he comes into work and his day looks probably way different than Coach Duval or mine. So Felix, if you could please talk to us about how do you balance managing um, all your different roles and all the different hats that you wear every day? So managing the master's students, managing your sports science and interns um, working with men's soccer day in, day out, uh, and then also overseeing all the other teams, talk to us a little bit about how you manage that workload. And, and just like a lot of other sports science departments across the country, um, really they may not be equipped with per like athletic training. They have one athletic trainer for each team, strength and conditioning. We maybe have two teams, three teams, but how do you really manage your workload day to day? And what advice do you have for other directors, sports science positions in this role?
1: Yeah. Um... Yeah, I I think it's easy to say that there's a lot going on. Um, But I I think I'm fortunate. I'm very lucky here at Pitt because, um, you know, although there is a lot of, you know, multiple hats that are basically assigned to my role here, I'm also surrounded by a lot of great people that are open-minded to sports science and even more so actually really want to learn in that field. Um, You know, that, that makes my life very easy uh, compared to, you know, the situation where you're operating as a silo because um, although, you know, in principle, um, there's this department of sports science, really it's married within um, all other uh, departments that coexist, so without interest from the strength and conditioning side, without interest from nutrition, without interest from sports med or interest from the sports coaches themselves, you know, this role wouldn't exist. And I'm lucky to have people around me like like you, Steph or Aaron, um, many others that are really interested in this kind of work and, and want to um, contribute in that world as well, which means whenever there's data collection, there's usually multiple hands that are uh, willing to to aid. And, and it, it doesn't have to be just me, um, you know, there's master students that can be on site. Oftentimes there's interns, but then often it boils down to collaboration with the strength coach um, that is, is taking on those responsibilities. So, you know, I, I think the first aspect really is that, yeah, you know, global perspective, there's a lot of responsibility, but I, I think we have a unique situation here where um, really that's more so on paper. In reality, a lot of it is is somewhat shared um, by design. And, and I think that's really what makes it special. Um, you know, other than that, I, I think just from an organizational perspective, what helps me a lot is just structure, um, you know, and somewhat of a consistency. So we're meeting on a regular basis with our master students, um, that is a weekly meeting. And then obviously, um, you know, we're in, you know, semi-casual conversation because, Aaron and I are teaching the class, we see them floating around with different teams on campus. Um, and so th- there's the more structured conversation, we see them in performance meetings, the, the more organic conversation that arises. Um, and, and so there's a lot of varying degrees of communication, but the the consistency of the weekly meetings, they help me a lot to just get us all on the same page, you know, it's similar. Um, within any other department, you know, you know, Stephanie, you, you do a great job with that. With with our larger sport performance department, which embeds both sports science and strength and conditioning, so where we also meet on a weekly basis. Um, so that that structure, I think, is helpful, um, just to provide clarity on, hey, this is a time where we can bring stuff up, and then, you know, beyond that, I, I think it's just I, I try to be as good as possible communicating. I'm not always the best, but I, I think um when things don't go well it often boils down to that um that there's just a lack of communication or um you know very very delayed communication um it's never perfect but it's definitely something that's always um on my mind
0: awesome yes felix you do wear many hats but so far you're doing great. I think Erin, do you have anything to add upon as Felix has gotten here and moved in this role, just onboarding um, what you thought possibly are some challenges, but also triumphs on either end of the spectrum, what you've seen so far, and then um, kind of what you see in the future of just anybody else that may be trying to onboard a brand new sports science department, What what you've seen outside looking in um and then also kind of living it as we help on uh, board Felix and then Felix please feel free to fill in on the back end.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of it honestly could be just echoed from some of what Felix just said uh, as far as uh, both ends like triumphs or uh struggles like um I I'd say that you know formalizing this department uh here at Pitt uh I don't know about the biggest challenge, but a big and important challenge that I think that we faced was like Felix said, just garnering the interest uh, from a lot of parties. Um, Felix, I think was, I won't say lucky because uh, he, he did a good job uh, with men's soccer for so many years, but um, fortunate that he had the experience um, and capitalized on that experience for so many years with men's soccer where um, you know, they're here at Pitt. There had already been kind of that hubbub of like, oh, they have this guy doing this, that, you know, we're not doing, and we're not familiar with that. And, you know, uh, Jay Bitovic, you know, very, I think very highly respected by the, the other teams and other coaches here at Pitt. Um, and when he respects someone like Felix, you know, it's, it's an, it's easier to garner that, that interest or respect for that side of the field. Um, so I think that, you know, that was a big advantage that we, we had with Felix going in was just the history that he'd already had with, uh, you know, the different parties, uh, though not directly involved with yet, but just indirectly through another team here at PIP. Um, so I think, uh, you know, again, but a struggle with that still being like there are teams or coaches or support staff members um, that, uh, not that it, they're like very like standoffish, like, no, I don't want this. You're gonna tell me what to do. I think, I think we're kind of past that, uh, naivety of like, oh, sports science is gonna tell me what, what I'm doing wrong and how I should run things. And I don't want that. I don't really, I, I think that that belief, uh, is predominantly out of the way now. Um, but that doesn't mean that the interest, is completely there from everybody just yet. And I don't think it's because of it, it's a lack of interest. It's uh, you know, maybe an unawareness of the services that it can really provide. Um, and that's just due to lack of a, of exposure, you know, in um, you know, whoever it is history. So this uh again, like that interest, that experience, like getting into a scenario where we can like slowly kind of like you know, micro dose Felix into so whether it's certain meetings or certain conversations where, um, you know, keeping just this little wig in people's ear or, um, you know, I think, uh, one of the, the triumphs that we've had with that and garnering that interest and getting people, uh, involved with Felix, the master student, sports science intern, um, is, can be as simple as like, just taking, you know, one simple thing that, okay, hey, here's what I can take off of your plate uh, from Felix's standpoint or the student's standpoint to help add context or clarity to what you're doing as a strength coach or a sport coach or as an athletic trainer to help you do your job better. Um, And a big, big, big part of that is going to be trust. Um, And that's another reason I think we're real fortunate with Felix uh, as he's never going to do anything to disrupt any trust with any of the relevant practitioners here at Pitt. Um, You know, if, if a coach says, well, you know, I don't really know what we want to do or, you know, how embedded we want, you know, these practices or what we're willing to invest our our time or resources in, but Hey, I know we do, you know, have body composition testing a few times a year and utilizing Felix to uh, you know, even if it's just as small as putting together visuals uh, and analysis based off of stuff like that, uh, give a little bit more longitudinal idea of uh, trends over time with athletes. That's one, you know, toe in the door of opening that door all the way wide open um, where getting that interest and that exposure to, to each of the different teams and everyone can start. Uh, and I think even now we're, we're in uh, you know, second half of October And so it's only been a handful of months and we've already seen a lot of that uh, interest and exposure uh, really exponentially increase, I think, here, even just within a handful of months. So um, I know a lot of kudos goes out to, you know, you, Steph and Felix. uh, But again, also the, the parties that we have here at Pitt that, you know, see that, that are open minded and are, are curious and interested, uh, and, you know, can kind of put that ego aside and, you know, ask questions to say, you know, how can I do something better? How can, um, you know, this type of person help impact what I'm doing in a positive way or give clarity to what I'm doing, um, with my athletes. So I think we're lucky on all ends. Um, but that's not to say that's, you know, still definitely a work in progress too. So, continue to chip away at that and, you know, figure out ways with each team uh, that, you know, how we can embed, whether it's the students or Felix himself. Um, But it's, uh, yeah, it's still a a good experience, I think, for everyone and something that since we have formalized this department and this process that it's, it's growing quite a bit.
0: Yeah, I'd have to echo just Aaron, what you're saying in a sense of, I know when Felix started with us formally in the summer, I thought he did a great job of when we were meeting with all the different head sport coaches, just going in uh, one being extremely approachable. Um, and, and there wasn't a, a one size fits all approach. Um, he really had a great understanding of not everybody's going to be doing the same exact thing from top to bottom. Like not every single team's going to be doing a wellness questionnaire. Not every team's going to be doing North board. Um, and also he's not going to go in there and just dump a box full of technology on someone's table. Felix went in and asked like, Hey, what's important for you and what do you want to know about your team? You know, he asked the right questions, which I think that came from his background of doing all his research the past, however many years he went in and asked what's important to them. You know, what's going to change the team of you had X amount of wins last year. How can we get a few more W's on the board and a few more wins. So I think him going and being approachable, asking the right questions of how he's really going to impact the team and just actually just helping coaches realize like, you're already doing quote unquote sports science because you're collecting these five different measurements you know you don't have to do anything more just let me take what you're already collecting and make it. Uh, put it in a manner that's actionable and you can actually use it as insight into whether it's your practice plan or what you're doing in the weight room. Um, and also not only meeting with the sport coaches, but meeting with us and asking questions around training. And I'm like, oh man, you know what, Felix, I didn't think about it that way or how we could frame it and send it to the sport coaches to use it um, as actionable info for, for practice as well. So I think Felix helped us understand that we were already doing bits and pieces of sports science with every single team, uncovering that, but then also fine tuning it along the way, but, um, Felix, anything to add upon, uh, starting this new department at Pitt, um, any certain challenges or triumphs that you've had over the last few months?
1: Yeah, I, I would say that the biggest triumph really is what you were just alluding to is, is just capitalizing on, on things that are already of interest to, you know, sports coaches or, uh, dietitians, um, things that are already in place because, The reason why they're in place is because people value them. So it's just, I don't know why, but it's often an overlooked area. Um, But, you know, if if there's an, an, an area that is probably most valuable to people, it's something that they've already been doing without sports science being even in the realm. So then it just comes down to how can I help you more or less just keep track of that very thing that you're interested in? You know, in in the case of like body composition, that's easy because you literally collect data. In in the case of you know, some other metric, it's it might be as simple as, okay, like let's actually just count the amount of times uh you know a certain instance occurs um and and compare it between games. It doesn't have to be like fancy, fancy uh technology all the time. Um, certainly that can be valuable and provide insight but it's not the end-all be-all and i think that you know in 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 certain sports you know as simple as you know tracking grip strength might be what you need um or what is of interest to the coaches um I, i think just the biggest triumph is probably that you know there's people in place that already do this kind of work and then you know essentially working together with them uh, that they're open-minded enough to, to have me be a part of that work um, and and hopefully create a better product at the end of the day. Um, you know, body composition is probably one of the, the prime examples we've been doing that way before I was part of any of this. Um, and, and I just say, like, Hey, if, if I visualize it like this, is this is helpful to you. Yeah, great. This makes a lot of sense. It's easier to comprehend. And, scrolling through a spreadsheet? Well, let's always do it like that. It's not like I really created anything um, or invented or came up with a really crazy good question. We've already been doing that. It's just making, you know, processes a little bit more efficient and and hopefully clearer. I think the biggest challenge, uh, you know, whether that's in general over the last five years or more recently or even into the future is, you know, what, we're, we're very excited about growing, um, and, and, you know, having more streams of of data, having more teams on board. I think that the, the most important part there for longevity perspectives is just standardization of operating procedures, how we collect data, how we analyze data, um, you know, to, to not lose quality work year by year by year, for instance, um, you know, we're, we're trying really hard to standardize our scripts um, in R or our pipelines in GitHub, you know, making sure that how we collect data in each system is done consistently across teams. Because we have an athlete management system. And you know, if if catapult is a good example where you can use different bands um, to threshold velocities, um, if for instance, one team uses way different bands than the other team, um, but both are being pushed into the same athlete management system under the same variable, I better know that, you know, they're not actually referring to the very same thing. Um, Ideally, this wouldn't be a problem in the first place, but depending on the sport, sometimes, you know, we need different thresholds to really quantify the same thing. I can't expect, um, you know, a person whose maximum velocity is, um, you know, 21 miles per hour uh, to look at in the same way as another athlete whose maximum velocity is 16 miles per hour. Um, so just different thresholds are often required, but then there ought to be enough documentation to make sure long term, you know, when we look at data and especially make historical comparisons and things like that, that everything is done consistently and, and at the gold standard. So um I think there's I think there's a very big temptation and inclination to just go go, 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 and kind of forget to take a step back and make sure that what you do is consistent and also documented well enough to be still valuable two or three years from now and not writing a bunch of scripts and then not documenting your code and looking back, not having a clue what the heck heck happened and how to analyze any of this stuff. And so, yeah, I think that's the biggest challenge is not getting carried away, but still pushing the envelope.
0: Yeah, definitely. And um, just at the rate that we're onboarding sports science master's students every year, it's so important to have these standard operating procedures, um, just to make Felix's life a little bit easier as we get these kids in and out, but I'm um, super excited about it. We'll take a quick left turn as we, we close out the show here. Um, if you guys don't know, uh, Felix is actually going to be presenting at the Austin FC high performance symposium in December hosted by catapult. Um, so Felix, can you give us a sneak preview of just possibly what you're looking to present on at the conference?
1: Yeah, um, in brief it's going to be pretty much about everything more or less that we just talked about the collaboration between sports science, you know, strength and conditioning, nutrition, sports medicine and ultimately the sports cap coaches, how we can use data to inform the decision making of our day-to-day operations, how shared information ultimately and the collaboration between each of those uh, departments ultimately benefits the greater uh team so for instance we'll talk about um you know how wellness questionnaires can provide insight for a nutritionist you know if we track the number of meals uh that student athletes eat or that's both uh important from a nutritional standpoint but then also the performance side um you know we can talk about how those same questionnaires might be helpful for screening any pain for the um, athletic trainer um, or monitoring return to play Um, How all of this ultimately then just serves the purpose of of perfectioning our practice, Um, that that's pretty much an art, but that there are some quantitative methods of going about it. Um, You know, how the analysis or, or classification of different drills can help, you know, our athletic trainer make better decisions what to do with the athlete in the return to play process. Um, that that aligns with what the sports coaches do um, in the same practice session so that they're on the same periodization schedule and and all of those things. But ultimately, it just boils down to how the use of data just connects these otherwise often silos, quote unquote, um, into one more cohesive team.
0: Awesome. Yes. If you guys can get it, if you guys can make it to Austin uh, early December for this conference, uh, David Tenney has always put on great conferences throughout the, um, the history, wherever he's been at. So definitely try to get there. And of course, Dr. Felix Pressel will be there as well. Um, all right. As we close this thing out, I figured we do some rapid fire questions so everyone can get to know you guys just a little bit more. Uh, so Aaron, I'm going to start with you. Talk to us about really quick, one minute, uh, what's your why? Why did you get into this field in the first place?
2: Yeah, I, again, going back to, I think, my my experience at Cal State Fullerton, I, I always thought it was a real cliche when someone says, like, you know, oh, do what you love, or you'll know, never work a day in your life. Or if, you know, someone said, like, oh, yeah, when I wake up, I'm excited to get to work. I was like, that's for the movies. That doesn't exist. Um, yeah, but that became real for me, uh, for my first internship. And I think now, you know, that still holds true. And I think that really boils down to the environment that we get to be in, uh, on a daily basis. Uh, and, you know, not talking about the nuts and bolts of like what our job responsibilities are, but just getting to work with college kids all day, every day, getting to work with, um, you know, just cool, fun people, uh, each day as well that share similar interests and have a, similar sense of humor 99% of the time as well. Like it just, uh, it makes work a lot less worky. Um, so, you know, I I definitely have other friends that are a little bit more of like the office job and sit behind the chair in the cubicle. And, um, that just sounds miserable to me. So, um, you know, I I think my why is just, uh, you know, getting to be able to, to be in an environment like that, um, but also help people or athletes and coaches optimize whatever, um, you know, performance that we're trying to look at through ways that like excite me, uh, to be able to do and to instill with these kids too. So, um, it's, I guess the, the, the easy word or the buzzword is just fun, uh, for me, but, um, you know, being able to, to be impactful, hopefully to some degree as well is is a great part of it too.
0: Awesome. I'm glad you have fun at work, Aaron That makes me happy. I so, do. This is
2: this honestly, this last hour has probably been like the most professional sounding I've spent an hour being. So
0: yes. Well, I'm glad talking pet has really brought the side a of you. <laughs> so here we are. Everyone, just remember this is not my day job. So but I'm just happy we're here. Episode one, we're rolling. Okay. Um, Felix, I'm gonna flip it to you here. Uh what are you reading right now? And we're researching, um, or even possibly like an influential podcast or or book you're looking into. uh, Please feel free to share.
1: Yeah, so there's kind of two sides to that. Um, Researching, I'm I'm very interested in in anything that, again, assesses kind of the cognitive aspects of um, team sports, Um, whether that's, you know, eye trackers, whether that's The scanning literature. So that's uh, within the world of soccer, where we're starting to become more um, aware of the value of just your vision um, for your decision making on the field. Um, You know, it's kind of ironic because all of us are obviously very passionate about the physical side of an athlete, but oftentimes we forget that, for instance, speed starts with the decision to move, not with your muscles to contract. So if you recognize earlier that you need to move, Um, if you can interpret your surroundings better, um, you could be slightly slower, but still get there sooner than your faster opponent. So, so ways in which we can quantify those kind of capacities and athletes, um, I'm really diving into in the literature from a research side of things. Um, and then there, in terms of books, there there's really two, um, there's one that's really interesting. It's not as performance related. But it's called, "Dopamine Nation," um, by Anna Lemke. It's basically just about um, you know being cognizant of your own um, routines, and and um, I think everybody is aware that everything nowadays exists in abundance. Um, I always joke about that as a European, especially in the US. Uh, you know, you get given four thousand napkins at the restaurant, and really, you don't need one. Uh, but Everything is in abundance and, you know, ultimately it's up to you what you do with it. Um, So you can either, when she refers to indulge in it and and just kind of get lost in the whole thing, um, or you can use it to your advantage. Um, You know, social media is a real good example of that, Um, or just even research. You nowadays have access to any article under the sun um, online, you know, 50 years ago or so, or let's say hundred years ago researchers were still drawing up figures literally with their pens. So that whole process is a lot slower now. And, and, and yeah, it's really interesting to see just different ways of dealing with that. So the last thing, then there's another one um, intensity by Pep Linders. Um, he's an assistant coach for Liverpool FC, um, a soccer club in England. And the head coach there is Jurgen Klopp, um, a German guy. Um I was fortunate enough to intern at Borussia Dortmund when he was kind of on his way out there um, about 10 years ago, no, not quite, like six years ago, seven years, something like that. Um, and, and he's a really inspiring uh, guy. So it's interesting just to read about team dynamics there.
0: Awesome. I'm sure people will be writing those down um, quickly, Felix, as you listed them off. And now every time I get napkins, I'm going to think about you in this book. So <laughs> thanks. Um, awesome. Awesome. All right. Let's flip it back to Coach Duval here. Um, let's make it a little more fun. Everyone's curious, I'm sure. What music genre do you work out to? And Felix might be able to even list this because he's been around you long enough.
2: Oh, yeah, that's definitely the question everyone uh, has. Looking forward to the answer to. Um, mine's easy. It's literally anything but country music. Um, I despise country music. Um, all my teams know I don't care if it's your birthday. No, we're not playing country in the weight room. Um, honestly, anything outside of that, like I'm totally good with. Uh, Felix has put on his like German rap before, and that that stuff gets me going. Um it could be anything, um, anything, anything immersive sound project, uh, is always a big one. Uh, if you don't know them and you need some good hype weight room music, look them up. Um, yeah. Anything that, that doesn't have too much twang I'm, I'm pretty much good for.
0: Awesome. There's another thing to write down, All right? We'll put it, we'll put it in the notes from the <laughs> podcast, the books, and then this artist. Yeah. I was very surprised about the country music piece with, uh, well, Aaron Duval, because he's from Shreveport, Louisiana. So him not liking country music didn't really click for me, but here we are. What are you going to do? Okay, last question we have before we close out the show here. Felix, um, talk to me about the most influential sport coach or practitioner you've ever worked with, and why was this the case?
1: Um, I would actually go back all the way to my playing years. and. and Use my, at that point, club soccer coach. Um, you know, in, in Germany, we don't play for universities or high schools, everything's club based. Um, but my coach at the time, his name is Faruk Maluku, um, he was with me for about three years um, during a time where I grew up really from a, a guy that made a lot of really poor decisions to hopefully a better adult um so that's from like 15 to 18 um so he shaped a lot of my thinking of um you know just being willing to work hard and um you know really developing people um you know i i really take a lot of um pride still in the fact that i've learned so much from him and and i want to be basically in the in the same shoes that he was in and, and give back to other people and help them develop so that's why um, you know, being in this role is so much fun because, of course, I have an interest in research and, of course, I have, uh, you know, interest in sports science in general. But ultimately, you know, we're all here to develop people and hopefully get them um, into a better spot by the time uh, they leave. And for me, that was always wanting to get into the professional level in, in soccer. Um, I didn't make it, but, you know, now I try to help them get to the same um you know hopefully actually get to that professional level and and that's why i think he's probably the most influential person um in my career so far he he's really opened my eyes to you know what it takes to to be successful and 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 ultimately also show people that you care um and and showed me that you can accomplish a lot in life by just being really passionate about it and 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 being willing to do a tad more than uh your next door person
0: Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing, Felix. And I think that's a great bridge into, uh, ideally, while we're, we're starting Talk and Pit, right? Episode one, really just not only sharing uh, the great things that are happening here at the University of Pittsburgh within academics and athletics, but then also sharing um, our knowledge, other practitioners and professionals' knowledge just with everybody so they can continue to learn and grow from this podcast. And then just one of our core values as a staff is a relentless pursuit for knowledge. So really just Reaching out to the best of the best in the field and, and sharing that content with everybody, so the field can continue to to grow and blossom and learn. So, um, last thing, guys, because I know people are going to want to follow up, whether it's about the master's program or even a sports science internship or SNC internship. Uh, Aaron, if you want to go first, what is the best way to get in contact with you?
2: Oh shoot. Um... <laughs> through our, our few people we have running our, our Pit Sport performance social media page. Um, that's honestly probably a good way to get in contact with any of us. Um, so yeah, at pit sports performance on Instagram, I think that's our Twitter handle as well is one good way. Um, definitely love, uh, you know, chatting with people about anything relevant to what we're talking about here, just training related in general. And, yeah, if you want to reach out, uh, emails duval at athletics.pitt.edu. And yeah, happy to, to chat with anyone about anything.
0: Awesome. Flipping it to you, Felix, uh, any good, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, any good way to reach out to you if they want to follow up with, with future questions or your thoughts?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Social media is an easy one. Um, you know, similar to what Aaron had uh, mentioned, either um our uh sports performance page on on instagram or the at pit science um twitter handle for me personally my email um f and prossel you probably don't have a clue how to spell that, but just check up my last name. it's the exact same spelling at athletics that should make your life easy um you know feel free to get in touch always happy to chat. I've been in those shoes before too where um you know i want to learn from others and and if you're new to the field um just chatting um that's been helpful to me and i'm and i'm always happy to you know chat with anybody whether that's a person that's already well familiar with this and, and works in the trenches on a day-to-day basis or um you know it's just essentially um completely new to it and is considering even joining the field so
2: anytime feel free to reach out yeah. You awesome. got to reach out to Felix before he's like a trillionaire one day making the big bucks with the, the big wigs. So holler at him now while you still can.
1: Yes. Once, when they play German rap in every weight room, you know, that I'm, <laughs> that I'm in it. Then the sports science succeeded.
0: <laughs> yes. Big time. I think we know what our outro needs to be um, from this podcast episode. Just saying, but um, guys can't thank you enough. Everyone listening to our first episode can't thank you guys enough. Um, Again, this is just practitioners giving great knowledge to you. This is not our day job, but we want to be able to really blossom and evolve the field um, of not only strength conditioning, but sports science as well and the evolution of everything. So thanks so much and hail to Pitt.
1: Hail to Pitt. Hail to Pitt.